Hello and welcome to this, the very first episode of the second season of the Be A Better Bard podcast. That's right. We're back to talk nonsense into your ear holes. We're back and better than some of- I was about to say, don't go making promises you no, can't not keep. not better than ever. I've, we're, we're never going to be able to get 18 plays on, on a single episode ever again. We'll never be able to top the Vampires episode. But season two, we're going to try. We're going to yeah. try. Um, but yeah, we're back. Uh, you know, don't call it a comeback. Yeah, you, you would think that uh, since it's been since November, we have a lot to tell you. But uh, nope, we've, we've, been, we've been stuck at home for a while. Yeah. The world's um, been on fire outside of our homes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We did a Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And we a Christmas. Christmas. We did New Year's. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had some D&D in between. Mm-hmm. We got a new president. Big fucking deal. Um, yeah, I, I mean, not to, like, jump into politics, but we we did play D&D. Um... I'm not going to jump into politics. I was joking. I'm not doing that on this. Um, That's a good call. <laughs> um, yeah, the, you know, we don't lead very interesting lives. Um, but one thing that I'm sure both of us did was consume media, which it's is... That's all you can do. Yeah, that's all you can do. And that's basically what qualifies us to do a podcast. So... Um, yeah, let's let's say that all of the TV and video games that we took in was training for mm -hmm. this very podcast. You hear that, TurboTax? This is a write-off. Hell yeah, bitch. Um, so what does it mean we have to pay 20% less off of that 38 cents we have in a wallet? cents in a wallet, right. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm worried to pull that out because I don't think I can pay the estate tax <laughs> on, on that. It's like it's like forty percent, and I just don't have that kind of money. Which, Who does? You know, all jokes aside, I don't have that money. I <laughs> I don't even think my change cup has that much money in it. Give me that stimmy, Daddy Biden. <laughs> um, well, speaking of uh, stimulating, we are talking about bards. <laughs> We're talking about bards today. And um, I, I need, first, before we talk about bards, I need to know your uh, your train of thought. Stimulating. Bard. Please, how did you connect those? Um, bards uh, tell stories or sing songs, and it stimulates my imagination. I'll take that. And also, and, all. and also, one time, I was fooling around with a bard, and he stuck a finger in me and stimulated me, and... I, I mean, I don't know, I guess, like, did I like it? I don't know, but, um, you know, you, we learn things about ourselves in the strangest ways sometimes, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, for the longest time, I didn't like hummus, and now I love hummus, you know, so. <sighs> so we're talking about Bards. We sure are. <laughs> um, yeah, we're talking about bards. Do you wanna do you wanna do your um 
your general bard knowledge? Yeah, uh, right off the bat, before jumping into the normal history doodad that I do, it's kind of crazy we didn't do bars last season, but I'm kind of glad we like saved it like something in the back pocket. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like maybe um, it would have been... Uh, too on the nose. Yeah, maybe. Or almost hubristic. Shooting our like, load too early. Yeah, like, wouldn't it be great if we were like, hey, here's a podcast on how to be a better bard, and we did a bard episode, and it was bad. Um, so now we have to do an episode on how to be a better bard podcast, <laughs> on how to be a better bard episode. I don't know. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, this episode, we... Um, yeah, we, 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 we'll talk about the bard. We'll get into it. We'll, we'll, we'll be better. Yeah. So when people talk about bards, there's kind of two different ways that people talk about bards. There's essentially, you know, the micro and the macro of it. Uh, the very precise of it, a bard is uh, a minstrel, a poet, a storyteller, or a traveling historian employed by a lord in England, Scotland, Ireland, or Wales. Now... That's, that's the very precise version of it. Like there, there's the bigger version of it where all those things have existed in other societies and other times. Uh, right. There's you know, been skalds who told the tales of the ancient. Yes, you know, ancient Norse gods. There have been the rhapsodies, uh, professional poets in the 5th and 4th century BC. Uh, that'd be around you know, the Greece area. You know, Homer. Homer was a rhapsodist. Uh, I actually read about think it's pronounced goes g-o-z-e in japan there were like a charity group that went around finding blind women and employed them to be traveling musicians like that's fucking cool that is pretty cool but the the whole gist of it was like you have to you you have to you have to work with us and you have to stay a virgin because you know if you're going around getting laid that means you can find a man which means you can find steady employment being a, a wife so no Which fucking is, around you I got mean, a job with us that's good money though <laughs> <laughs> um okay so so that's so the micro is that officially a bard is basically anglican yes um, uh the, the the word bard actually comes from ancient celtic uh bardos which was their word for poet uh, the earliest use of bard I can find is in Welsh law, 900 AD, which is actually defined what a bard was. And a bard is someone who's employed to sing to the soldiers and guards while they split the spoils of war. And they would just sing about how awesome the king was. That was a job, something you had to do regularly. You'd think you would just like hire a, you know, one of the soldiers with a nice soprano voice and be like, hey, you sing about it while we split up the loot. Nope, that was one person that was just... In- in the employee i mean it's yeah it's kind of the difference between like being a professional and starting your own podcast like you want the professional right um go ahead yeah uh but like i said that was around 900 ad if you listen to all our pods or you know our earlier stuff you'll kind of piece together that's a lot later than everything else we tend to talk about which is kind of nice we mm-hmm. spend a lot of time talking about like ancient greece and mesopotamia but you know because we're talking about England and Scotland and the Romans didn't come around till what was it like 1 AD or something like that it took a little bit of time for England to develop sure um but the bard went pretty strong it wasn't something that just lasted for like two or three hundred years you know it popped up around you know the early AD 8 900 and went all the way to like the ninth to 18th century you know we had um you know William Shakespeare was considered the bard 
Mm -hmm. Although at that point, you know, the definition of bard had kind of changed a bit. It was no longer a traveling or in the employ of a king. It was just someone that was a basic storyteller. Yeah, but there was also like, like, uh, so like when you talk about Shakespeare, like, yeah, he's, he's called the Bard of Avon um, with a capital B because it can be given to somebody as like an honorific if they have contributed a lot to like literature, culture, arts, or whatever. Yeah. That's why Shakespeare is called the Bard because he contributed so much. And that's like, yeah, yeah, that that works out. And that's kind of the general history of bards in terms of like the actual people. It's kind of worth noting D&D since we're all a bunch of nerds that popped up in the 70s. Gaidak kind of combined historical bards, skulls, and minstrels and made it so that their talents were also kind of cast to the arts. So you were so artistic, you could cast magic with your imagination. And, you know, I really like the... um the the idea that you gave before and i I, i'll bring it up again when we're making our our character um oh god i completely forgot that we do that um but the the like the bard singing while the soldiers are like divvying up loot that's so D &D. (laughs) like you know you kill the goblins everybody's looking inside of their goblin holes to see what kind of goblin hordes they've got hidden and and then yeah you've got like the attractive blonde guy with a lute just strumming along because he's not putting his hands in no goblin holes yeah you bring him the gold and wait for him to fuck a dragon mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he cast a healing spell all right he did his his work he insulted a goblin to death yeah <laughs> he gave you plus 1d6 on an ability check um and then one more thing, just, I'm not, like, we can probably edit this part out. I just think it's interesting. Uh, there's a common trope for bards. There's something called bard colleges, and this is, you find this in D&D, in Elder Scrolls, in The Witcher. Like, mm-hmm. there's this idea that bards go to these fancy schools, and that's how they learn to be better than everyone else. I couldn't find jack shit about where this came from. You know, I don't know where it came from, but that does come up a bit in my topic um the the concept of a bard college well there is there is a bard college it's like in new york there is a bard college but i don't think it's it's not an art school right it's just called bard college i I think there is an arts program i think like the only artist i recognize from there was like chevy chase he's not an artist he's a racism (laughs) he's a bank um well, which one of us wants to go first, I guess? No, I just did all my talking. I just did all my talking. You do talking. Okay. Um, so, y- y- you know, uh, this is not something I do very often, but I wrote about a real guy who lived in the real world and did stuff, not a fictional thing. Um, because, so basically when we said Bard, right, I was like, well, maybe I'll do Shakespeare just because like everybody knows Shakespeare. But here's the thing. I do not care for Shakespeare. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get Shakespeare. I do. I totally do. But there were so many other people at the time writing and we never talk about them. And um, around the same time that the Bard of Avon was kicking it, 
Um, over in India, there was uh, the Bard of Bengal. His name was Rabindrath Tagore. Um, he was a polymath. He was a poet, author, playwright, composer. Uh, he wrote um, not only the current Indian national anthem, but the current Sri Lankan national anthem. Um, He's got two hits. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to do... I'm going to cut that bit with all my burping. <sighs> Anywho, uh, so Rabindarat, Rab I'm going to mess his name up so much. I'm going to, I'm going to try to not use his first name because it's hard to say. Rabindranath Tagore was born in 1861 to a wealthy Bengalese family. Both his father and grandfather were uh, writers, scholars, um, his mother died when he was very young and his father traveled. Um, so he was mostly raised by house servants. Um, but there was a, a, a revolving door of poets and musicians who were invited to stay at their estate. So from a very young age, uh, Tagore was, was taking in the arts. Uh, he didn't care for being stuck indoors or staying in one place for very long. Um, and for those reasons, he really disliked going to school. Uh, he would say later that real teaching comes from encouraging curiosity um he did go to college for one day and then quit um he was writing poems by the age of eight and and how do you quit after the first day the first day is just going over the syllabus i know but he you know he got in there and he was like I don't know. I wasn't there, but <laughs> yeah, he, quit, he quit after one day because, well, and I, I didn't write about it, but um, like when, once he's like prolific and he's, you know, a professional and he's well-known, um, he, he ends up having like several homes and he never stays at one for more than like a couple months at a time. He hates sitting still. He hates being in the same place. Um, and yeah, he hates being taught at, he 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 wants to like uh he's 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 really into sort of like the guru mindset of like in encouraging curiosity in your students so that they can create their own ideas um anyway so he was writing poems at the age of eight and after his coming of age ceremony when he was 11 he began touring india with his father um, reading poetry and historical texts and being inspired by traditional folk music and storytelling. Um, when he was 16, he published his first major collection of stories and poems. And as a joke, he published it under a pseudonym. And literary experts believed that it was the lost work of a forgotten poet. Uh, so yeah, like all of these, all of these, uh, literary experts were like oh wow this is so amazing it's you know a uh, 200 year old poetry stuff and it's not it was a 16 year old who, who made <laughs> up a name um his father sent him to england to study uh which he sort of did this is where he went to school for a day um i believe uh, but uh yeah he he just didn't go to school um he came back with no degree but he you know, had seen a lot of Shakespeare and um, had spoken and read uh, a, a lot of other like Anglican uh, work. Um, the reason he returned to India was because his father had arranged a wedding with one of the um, daughters of a servant family that lived at the estate. 
um the that family by the way like all of their daughters married tagore like brothers um so the the two families were basically mixed together um anyway his uh arranged bride to be was 10 years old um he would later speak out against the practice of arranged marriages but he and his wife would eventually conceive five children two of which survived childbirth um Tagore was very close with his sister-in-law, Kadambari. Uh, this was his wife's sister and also his brother's wife. So double sister-in-law. Um, she encouraged his writings, critiqued his writings. Uh, they were very, very close. But shortly after Tagore married her sister, she committed suicide. So obviously there was something there. Um, he would eventually lose his father, his youngest daughter, his wife, and his eldest son. So basically everybody he loves dies tragically before their time. Yeah, naturally. Yeah. Can't have no happy artist. Um, so Tagore had been writing and publishing in India for a while, and he eventually uh, translated some of his work into English, a language that he did not care for because, you know, British imperialism. Um, it was read by William Yeats, the Irish poet. Um, Irish or Scottish? I think he's Irish. Um, but he, uh, Yeats said that Tagore's work, even after being translation out of its native tongue, was some of the most profound and prolific that he'd ever read and encouraged Tagore to like translate and publish in Europe, um, which he did to great critical praise. Uh, he won the Nobel Prize for Literature, being the first Asian to be awarded a Nobel Prize. Um, he was also knighted by King George for his contribution to literature. He used the Nobel money to open an experimental school based more around guidance than teaching. Uh, they held all of their classes outside in a courtyard. It was, um, it was a lot of uh, uh, like how to tell stories, how to write. It was, it was an art school. Yeah. Um, um, his Nobel Prize, like the Nobel Medal, was on display in the school and uh, was stolen. Um, years later, the Nobel Committee in Sweden would give him two replicas of his Nobel Prize. Um, during his life, he became friends with a lot of great minds, including Einstein and Mahatma Gandhi. He was actually the first one to call Mahatma Gandhi Mahatma, um, which I, I believe is like um like he was the first one to uh publicly say this guy is a great mind um uh he even had a short friendship with Mussolini which ended because Tagore started blasting his fascist ideas um Tagore lived and wrote through World War II and through obviously the British occupation of India um and he was greatly affected by by the events of the world um, one specifically, uh, there was a, this massacre that I had never heard of that took place in India, um, where British troops opened fire on a crowd of peaceful protesters who were protesting for Indian sovereignty. Um, they shot over a thousand civilians, um, and killed like 350 ish. Um, uh, after that Tagore, uh, renounced his knighthood. Uh, in protest he was like I want nothing to do with 
British imperialism, if this is what it is. Yeah, that's um, fair. Yeah. Um, Tagore felt that, uh, so Tagore obviously wanted Indian independence, but he felt that the British occupation was a result of India's isolationist nationalism and lack of like world knowledge, um, believing that the path to independence was through education and world connection, not through revolution, um, which, you know, was, you know, he was friends with Gandhi and Gandhi was like, no, we're only going to get uh, independence through revolution. And he and Tagore would argue about that all the time because Tagore didn't feel that revolution was going to work. Um, he was also a large part of uh, the Hindu uh, reform movement, a reform of Hinduism um, that included uh, moving Hinduism to monotheism, ending idol worship, uh, ending the caste system, um, and putting a stop to a lot of the unsavory rituals of some of the more like uh, esoteric Hindu cults, um, including like sacrifice and or human sacrifice, stuff like that. Um, Tagore died at the age of 80 in an upstairs room of his family's estate in the same building he was born in. Uh, to celebrate his 150th birthday, his collected works were published in an anthology that spanned nearly 80 volumes. Um, so, so prolific yeah. is the right word. Yeah. Yeah, right? Uh, he wrote so much. And yeah, I think like... The reason I chose him and sort of the the like capital B bard is that like he and Shakespeare earned like they got that capital B bard title because obviously they um, they made such great contributions to culture and literature, um, you know. Uh, anyway, so yeah, that's uh, that's Rabindranath Tagore. Very nice. Yeah, really, really cool guy. Um, there's not like a ton of information out there. You know, he's got a Wikipedia page, um, but there was a, a pretty good uh, little short documentary movie on YouTube that I watched. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, anything you're going to find on this guy was made in like, you know, the 60s or 70s and the audio is really crackly and... Uh, there's way too loud Indian music playing over all of the <laughs> um, the audio. So, uh, if, you know, if you're interested in this guy, definitely take a look. Um, I I, I want to pick up at some point a, a collection of his his works because um, Melissa wanted me to read a poem, but I'm not gonna because I didn't prepare for that. Um, and a lot of his poems are meant to be sung, so I'm not gonna do that. Well, you have um, such a lovely singing voice. I do, but I have I have a feeling that I'm not going to, you know, be able to give justice to an Indian verse. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but like reading his poetry, like I said before, even translated, it it's really beautiful. Um he's he's a very, very talented guy. And um I'll tell you this, when if when I ever get to start teaching, um this guy is going to get taught for sure. Um, I'll do a segment on Shakespeare and then I'll do a segment on like good people. 
the end just your vendetta against shakespeare so i just i i don't what i have against shakespeare is there were uh, he there were other people doing what he was doing just as good and we never talk about it and it's so frustrating to me how much time i have been forced in my educational career to read shakespeare and not marlowe or or tagore you know like there's so many other great writers and all we do is read romeo and juliet over and over and over the end yeah you're not wrong some of his plays are great like romeo and juliet is fine if it's like read or performed by somebody who knows what they're talking about but most of the time the actors who do shakespeare don't actually know what the fuck they're saying and it bugs me when somebody's just out there oh wait i am the shakespeare man who doth the swathe to croak to mine most of those words aren't real um, i also like the fact you gave yourself a really heavy scandinavian accent with that i sure did I sure that's did. a that's a good reading i want to see that version of uh like the Bard romeo himself. and juliet <laughs> Um, yeah, it just, it, it bugs me the way that modern people perform Shakespeare. And that's why, yeah, I guess I do have a bit of a vendetta. I just, when I teach Shakespeare, it's going to be different. Like first things first, how do you read Shakespeare? (laughs) Second thing, second, this is Shakespeare. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. See, you also have a, a theater background. So like, that's something you had to contend with. Like my English background, we never had to perform it. We just had to sit down and read Shakespeare. Yeah, and sitting down and reading it, like, you know, because it's written in verse, you read it in verse, but it's not meant to be read in verse. It's not, you're not supposed to say it like da 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 You're just supposed to talk like a normal person would <laughs> and, and, you know, whatever, whatever. <laughs> um hey do you want to talk about your thing yeah i also chose a real person by a real person i meant a movie that for some reason decided to include a real person and then just kind of make shit up okay i chose chaucer from the 2001 movie a knight's tale played (laughs) by paul Bettany. (laughs) so you chose chaucer but you're not going to talk about any of chaucer's actual work i'll bring mention of it okay that's good that's good. no no we're, we're we're going to talk about chaucer's greatest contribution to anything and that's the 2001 night's tale yeah i mean i did he is one of the best parts of that movie though that My movie is ladies. movie is delightful it is a great movie it's so good anyway you go you talk for a while i'll mute myself <laughs> Uh, as mentioned, he was a real person. He was a medieval poet for, uh, born around ballpark 1340 and died in 1400. Um, you will know him for the Canterbury Tales, which if you have read anything for the Canterbury Tales or know anything about it, there is in fact a knight's tale in the Canterbury Tale. And if you're wondering if it's the same thing, it's not at all. <laughs> it's like two knights imprisoned are like in love with the same person fighting over her. The Canterbury Tales, correct me if I'm wrong, right? That, like, written by Chaucer, but didn't other people contribute to it? Like, it was, like, an ongoing thing that was, like, sort of like the 1001 Arabian Nights tales or whatever, where they're like, I'm going to write a thousand stories, and they wrote 40. I feel like it's kind of something along the lines of, like, Shakespeare, to bring it back to him, nah. to where, like, eh, so, it's all Chaucer. Some of it might be stolen. Okay. <laughs> Um, 
So yeah, the uh, Knight's Tale is not in it, but the movie in Knight's Tale will make references to other stories from Canterbury Tales. Uh, we meet Chaucer early in the first act, uh, since he is naked and trudging along the road towards a city whose name I forgot to write down. Uh, when asked if he was robbed, he kind of beats around the bush and says, yes and no. Uh, so the protagonist, uh, upon finding out that he's a writer, uh, agrees to clothe and feed him in exchange for uh, papers of nobility. The protagonist is a peasant pretending to be a knight, and he needs proof that he is a fake knight so that way he can compete in tournaments and gain fame. Like you do. Yep. Uh, Chaucer agrees to this, forges the papers, and then once they get to the tournament, Chaucer kind of says, all right, good luck. I'm going to go back to doing my own thing. Uh, we quickly find out that Chaucer was not robbed. He actually has a gambling problem and he lost his clothes in a bet. We find this out because it happens again. So you get to see <laughs> Paul Bettany's butt twice in the movie. He's got a good butt. It's a cute little butt. He's got a cute little butt. Uh, the protagonist, again, agrees to help Chaucer out with his issues with uh, gambling. And he goes to win the sword tournament and uses his winnings for that to pay off Chaucer's debt. Uh, Chaucer then makes a vow at the two people that put him in debt. There Control it is. scroll. Yep. Um, he makes a vow to Simon the Summoner and Peter the Partner that one day he will eviscerate them in word. And that's what he does, because there is, in fact, a story about the Summoner and the Partner in Canterbury Tales. Oh, hey. Uh, Chaucer decides yeah, he kind of now owes uh, the protagonist the debt, so he sticks around and they go from tournament to tournament. Just kind of, uh, he starts acting as his hype man, giving cool speeches. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a certain point, the very first speech he gave, uh, my wife kind of looked at me and goes, you know, so many high school drama nerds have used this speech as like, what is it you guys do? Like your monologues. monologues yeah. To, yeah. She's like, you know, it's been done so many times. It's like, yeah, probably. <laughs> but I mean, you could have so much fun with that as a monologue. Yeah. And yeah. Paul Bettany's delightful again. Yeah. He, he, yeah. He does a great job. It's way better than my monologue from you're a good man, Charlie Brown. <laughs> uh, in the process of going from tournament to tournament the protagonist starts falling in love with a fancy lady so Chaucer helps him write up a fancy poem and teach him how to dance and do all the fancy stuff eventually the protagonist has to go off and talk to the lady who wants more poetry guess what protagonist isn't a poet Chaucer wrote all that stuff so instead in order to woo her uh she demands that he loses the next tournament in her honor. Chaucer, of course, does not know this because he places a very large bet that the protagonist is going to win, bringing it back to the fact he's got a gambling problem. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you'd think, oh, you know, maybe this will uh, turn into a learning moment for Chaucer. He's going to lose more money, but nope, nope. Uh, the, the protagonist has been told he can, he can win the tournament to prove his love, and they get a bunch of money, and they go forward. I, there's obviously more to the plot, uh, but Chaucer doesn't really do much after that point. <laughs> He's just kind of always there in the background saying witty things. He doesn't really contribute to the, the, the story from then on, but uh, he was a pretty good character. Yeah, he's a great character. Yeah, mine was short and sweet. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> um, as, a, as a brief aside, I watched that movie a lot when I was young, mm -hmm. um, and I had such a hardcore crush on the the female lead the love interest who's a very beautiful woman don't get me wrong 
but something about her hair when I was a kid, I was just like, oh man, her exotic hair. I love it so much. And then watching it as an adult, her hair is bad. The whole movie, she has all these different hairstyles and they're all fugly. Every time she was on the screen, I got a different reaction from Kelso. It was always along the lines of, what is she wearing? What is on her head? What yeah. is that? Yeah. Yep. But I mean, the character is great. I love I love the scene where she's in the church and the priest like holds out his hand for her to kiss his ring. And she's like, oh, well, that is lovely. <laughs> All the characters are delightful. They it's a really super good. fun movie. Yeah, it's, it's also a fever dream-esque movie. Like you have to remind yourself like, oh yeah, there's horses that stamp along to Queen before there's a jousting tournament. Yeah. And at a certain point they dance to Bowie. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 blacksmith lady checks in the nike logo onto her armor mm -hmm. and the thing is this isn't really a comedy like it's a drama they just went off the rails with yeah they just they just make stupid jokes in it there's <laughs> yeah there's not a lot of like jokes in the movie but yeah dumb stupid references <laughs> they had fun they had fun yeah with it. it's a fun movie there's no other movie like that movie yeah that's pretty fair i would say that yeah um yeah, and as, and as soon as we get off the podcast, I'm going to be like, oh, there's this other movie that's just like it. Um, so our characters are pretty different because um, yours is a character. Um, but okay, things that our characters have in common obviously mm -hmm. contributed to the arts. Um, traveled through England. Mm -hmm. Um. Both of them kind of, they both touched a horse most likely uh, both of them used their works to kind of grind their axes politically yeah that's very true very very true i guess they don't have that much in common though they they i mean they were storytellers that's like the big thing right they they were bards they told stories they were orators um one big difference um my character not much of a performer he did when uh he when he wrote plays he often uh took roles for himself or played mm -hmm. characters in his plays um but he he wasn't he wasn't an orator he wasn't out like singing and performing his own uh works yeah um where i guess your character of chaucer was definitely doing that Although he, was, he wasn't really performing his works. He was kind of ad-libbing, right? Yeah, in the movie, he was just kind of a, a hype man that wrote on the side. But he would eventually write, yeah. I guess, the tales. Um, well, okay. Um, do we, let's uh, do... Um, we can do a quick little break with some sort of a transition between uh, now and creating the character. Yeah. Um, so we'll do that now. And then we can just, you know, yeah. Take a, take a breath. Okay. Alex, let's make, let's make a bard character, huh? Yeah. Let's, let's roll some stats. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we usually do, um you know our fantasy parenthetical D, D kind of characters are we doing are we doing that 
do we want to do fantasy or do we want to try and drop it into our what was it a stock home cold home card home card home card home um does a bard work in card home uh no matter how shitty your life is you need something to entertain yourself i know but uh sort of like it's sort of like an industrial age and i feel like an industrial like the city is in an industrial era and that's kind of like a dark ages for the arts Mm -hmm. um well we also have like radio things like it could be like a radio personality that's true Um, or we can just see we can do like a regular fantasy no, I mean, I, I kind of like the idea of him being almost like an Orson Welles character. Um, yeah, like if he if he's doing a radio broadcast for Fantasy War of the Worlds, <laughs> um, you know, the, doing a little thing about how the Elder Gods are invading the country. Um, and then the fire lizards crawled up from the muck. I, I mean, I, I think that that could be fun. Well, I mean, we can we can we can roll with it and see how it how it goes. We can always pivot off of it if 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 it's not panning out. Yeah. So, um, so is he he just like a well known, I don't know, radio personality? I guess like, do we want to lean into an Orson thing and kind of make him like a jack of all trades? Um, I guess. What well, I mean, what other? I mean, do people read there? It's controlled by the church. I would, I would, I feel like, I feel like, uh, I feel like if if he's going to be a bard, quote unquote, he's going to be sort of like rebellious. Um, yeah, the yeah, I mean, maybe the, right. The church is like, trying to control everything, so maybe like he writes underground, like Penny Dreadfuls. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember the big twists about <laughs> about Cardholm. Um, if only we had a wiki. Um, I'm just kidding. We did sort of write up that Bible. Um, so, yeah, I, I like the idea of, of Penny Dreadfuls. Is that is that enough? like what how is he how is he is he enacting like change in any way with his writings or is it almost more like a robin hood-esque um he's just like doing it for the sake of um like rebellion or or revolt yeah i think huge so both of our both of the characters we did our research on they do kind of come from places of privilege and I think that would kind of make sense for this character we're making too. Like, make like this person realizes that the world's shitty, but also kind of like is able to not get all the shittiness from it. Yeah, he's 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 obviously probably had a chance to read other works if mm-hmm. he's you know um, writing his own stuff. Um, maybe maybe he works within the church um maybe his uh his bardmanship is under a a a pseudonym or it's done in secret maybe he's the masked singer (laughs) 
Um, yeah, I think the crux of whatever story this would happen would be with would be the, like the church finding out about him. Mm-hmm. It'd be either him on the run or. You know, didn't we didn't we uh, sort of create a character that was like the daughter of like an influential business guy who was like basically a vestal virgin for the church or something? Didn't we write something about that? Uh, yeah, she had like um, she had whatever we call the albinoism disease. Right. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, how do you feel about like sort of co-opting that character and making her, you know, if she's coming from a place of privilege, she would have been well-read. Um, and if she's basically just locked in a cell, um, all she's going to be able to do is write. Um, I thought we had her always going out doing charity work. Oh. Well, that's Okay. <laughs> Okay. Um, well, then you fucking come up with something. <laughs> Always naysaying everything I create, you son of a bitch. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry I yelled at you. No, you're not, but it's okay. <laughs> um, okay. Well, uh, this is really good radio. Yeah, it's what editing's for. Yeah. Uh, I like the idea of them being part of the church and I like the idea of them kind of having a second life. Okay. Um, so are they, are they just like publishing in secret or um, like, is this an underground sort of thing or is it uh, an above ground, but under a pseudonym or, or, or is it not under a pseudonym? Is he, is he or she, I guess, sort of flagrantly publishing their works? I think a pseudonym would have to be necessary. Otherwise, the church would kick them out of the church. Sure. Um, I kind of like the idea of like secret underground magazines being passed around. Okay. If we made if we made them like a radio personality. Like maybe there's like their daytime personality thing where like they're on the main church channel, like telling the voice of the sun god. But maybe like at night when everyone leaves the studio, they change it to a different uh a different station. Yeah, a different station, change up their voice a little bit. What about um what about like maybe he uh has a like he he's like definitely a face for the church or a voice for the church um and he writes like hymns and religious poems and and does that kind of stuff and reads them for the church but maybe he'll be like okay and we're gonna like i'm gonna do this hymn and he's like singing um but if you like play the record of him singing back it's like the rebellion will meet at (laughs) six (laughs) o'clock Yeah, I mean, I, I I think that he he should have something like above board with the church, like 
he is a like a church poet or a church writer or something like that yeah um and maybe that you know that's how that's how he uh i don't know gets learns of the plight of the underprivileged or maybe just learns about the corruption within the church um yeah i think it's a mix of that maybe also just they want to make their own stuff that isn't church related so it, it probably starts off with them just writing just be like i wrote a cool story about a dinosaur the church won't let me publish it they said the dinosaurs were planted there by the devil and the liberal media <laughs> of which i am the only one <laughs> um media what what so what what kind of work would the church find most offensive like i, I mean is he is he writing like harlequin romance novels it'd probably be anything that isn't church related would probably be offensive yeah but yeah i kind of like the idea of just like he just they just jump around maybe a romance one the next one is like a schlocky horror maybe he's maybe he's like writing down um like folk stories um because the church is monotheistic but mm -hmm. but you know polytheism is a, a real thing um because there's like old gods living in the mountains or some shit right yeah yeah um so maybe he maybe he's like writing down and distributing or publishing or whatever um yeah like folk stories and and like the traditional stories to try and keep all of that stuff alive mm -hmm. um i mean is he is he are i mean do, do they do they have printers like have do they have printing press sure well, why the fuck not it's fantasy yeah. um if they've invented the radio they've invented the printing press yeah do they have book i i'm i'm thinking about uh like the underground speakeasy where our guys doing you know a whatever like a poetry jam talking about the the beast in the mountains while everybody's sipping on their stolen water <laughs> um okay well let's all right we got we got sort of the bones of what this guy's doing why is he doing it i think it starts off as kind of like a just creative freedom sort of thing like mm -hmm. he just he wants an outlet so he steps away from the church the farther he steps away the more he writes about non-church things the more he kind of realizes the church isn't exactly the good guy in the story okay it starts off with fun how does like, he how does he like how does he get involved with the church in the like in the first place um yeah i think i think you had said before that you know he comes from means um, yeah probably you know yeah like a fourth or fifth uh son in a wealthy family and just gets, gets given to the church as a part of like the tithe yeah at that point he was probably well educated they figure out he had a decent talent for the arts in general so they figured they'd use it in service of the god okay Okay, so he goes, does he go to like work with the church at a young age or um, maybe he 
you know, grows up and as an adult, he's like, okay, well, what am I, like, what job can I get where being smart and well-read is, you know, something I can put on the resume and the church is the only place that's looking for that. Yeah. Um, Never mind, no burp coming. Uh, I kind of imagine something along the lines of like, all education is kind of controlled by the church. Hmm. And I guess probably at that point he was thought out. Okay. Like he's already in the system learning how to do the stuff and the church is like, well, you're good at this. So stay here. Um, okay. Uh, so, and so what is like, what is he doing for the church then? Just propagandist, I guess. Yeah, um, I think they're they're taking their current scripture and trying to make it easier for the common masses to understand and consume. Like an extreme teen Bible or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh it's there's like a a four page comic in the middle that talks about skateboards and Jesus. <laughs> um it takes some of the the long uh scripture and shortens it down into maybe hymn form mm. that's a good idea it's yeah, a lot easier and, and to I remember mean, the teachings if it's a has a catchy hook in a and a sweet bass drop i wouldn't be surprised if the church is kind of making stuff up as they go as well mm-hmm. um so it you know it might be up to him to um you know maybe somebody is like hey there was a revelation so you need to let everybody know that they're not allowed to do this anymore uh make it sound good yeah um so yeah he's he's employed as a writer propagandist i guess um i mean does he do that job well if he's sort of subverting that on the side or does he just know that maybe he he's just like fully aware that the common people a never really listen to that radio station anyway <laughs> um and b like they know that the church is full of shit or yeah i think it's or maybe he has i don't think he'd i don't think he'd want it to i think he would even if he knows it's shit he would still want to do a good job though yeah maybe he just has two audiences yeah he has he has a devout audience that believes all of his pro pro the church rhetoric and then he has, you know, the his, the other audience that is more interested in hearing about their, you know, polytheistic gods. And yeah, um, he's, you know, he's writing like almost like Native American stories where um, animals are the heroes. Or maybe like, a, um, isn't... Uh, like Reynard the Fox. Isn't isn't that kind of stuff from Canterbury Tales? Maybe I didn't read all of here I, in Canterbury. I didn't read all of Canterbury Tales to do my research. I skimmed stuff. Doesn't matter who. And um, I haven't read Canterbury Tales since like the 10th grade. Yeah, I, I think I'm read a couple of them. I know I know enough about Canterbury Tales to know that all of it's just like a bunch of people sitting around a fire. And like telling each other stories while they're on their way to Jerusalem. Yeah, just them like taking turns. I think it's a contest. Like whoever can tell the best story on their pilgrimage gets something. Right. 
Um, but they're not, no, they're not going to Jerusalem. They're going to Canterbury because there is a Pope in Canterbury. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, medieval Europe, uh, Popes popped up all the time. <laughs> um, they're like, there was the Pope, but like the Pope and the King of England got into a fight. And so the King of England was like, all right, here's a second Pope. This guy's a Pope too. And either of those popes could get you into heaven or either of them could excommunicate you. Pope two, two popes, two, two pious. The, the popening. The Pope strikes back. This time it's Pope Sinal. <laughs> <laughs> pope three, back in the habit. <laughs> I wish I could remember the name of the weird Pope hat. It's not a miter, is it? I got none for you. Oh, whatever. Hey, let me try and make puns about words I don't know. Anyway. So yeah, we got this writer living a, a double life. Um, yeah. So what let's let's name this guy. Um I'm I'm assuming he has a pseudonym um for his for for his other audience. Um but I think when he's on the radio for the church, I, his name is like Brother Clive or something like mm -hmm. that. We've done like a Claudio, haven't we? Or a Claudius? We might have, yeah. Um. We suck at names. brother storm brother bear brother where art thou brother from another um cass i just i feel like uh, a, a cut noise. Maybe that's just because it's card home. Um, Siegfried. Um, I don't know. I, I I feel like Siegfried makes him. You know, maybe that's his church name. Um. But maybe maybe he just goes by like Fred or something. Mm -hmm. Um elsewhere i guess that's his like rich family name like uh wilhelm siegfried the second or something <laughs> brother siegfried yeah i mean i'm i'm not opposed to it um i just like siegfried like when I, when I, when I, when in my mind's eye, I'm seeing brother Siegfried and he's like legit devout, right? Or like um, serious or stern is what Siegfried makes me think of. Mm -hmm. I, I, although I guess it should be, you know, if I think about Siegfried and Roy, it's kind of the opposite. Um, brother Siegfried. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. Brother Gaius, brother. 
I don't I don't like Gaius because uh, the the Roman sounding names don't really fit here. That's fair, you know. Um, I I'm okay with Siegfried. I I feel like Cardholm makes me think like Eastern European Germanic kind of. Um, and Siegfried sounds kind of like a name that a Russian or Ukrainian or something guy might have. So brother like Nikola or something. Mm. I do like Nikola. I'm going to give you my little secret of how I'm coming up with names. I just pulled up Bolo's Guide to Everything and I'm just rolling on the random table for characters. Fantastic. Thank you for, for the peek behind the curtain there. <laughs> um, we spend so much time. I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to pull up Bolo. Bolo yeah. will help me. Um, yeah, I'm fine with Nikola. Nick, Nikola, Nikolai. Nickel. Nickel. I think Nickel could be like his fun name. Nickel. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe he, he doesn't publish Penny Dreadfuls. He publishes Nickel Dreadfuls. <laughs> um, yeah, Nic- Nicola. And that's a great reference to Nikola Tesla, my favorite scientist. So, um, well, he wasn't. Yeah, he was a scientist. Maybe anyway. instead, like penny dreadfuls are called like copper slops or something like that. Copper slops. Mm-hmm. That's funny. I, I like that. Um, what's his What's his like folk name? His pseudonym. Yeah. Uh, the Quill. That makes him sound like a secret superhero. I like. In in my mind, like the the pseudonym should be realistic enough that people don't think that he's hiding who he is does that make sense Mm -hmm. that like people believe that there is a bob thompson out there who's writing these stories uh uh ss babble ss babble i like that actually and and ss doesn't stand for anything no, nah, I just, I just kind of did something like J.R. Tolkien or oh, okay. J.K. Um, Rowling, yeah. Uh, okay. D- I don't know about SS, though. Uh, TM. TM Babel. And now I don't want Babel TM coming after us. <laughs> um, ED. Ed babble, easy easy babble, uh, ne babble. I, I kind of assume he's putting a joke in there somewhere, so it'd be like never ending babble, but he just never actually says what they stand for. Right. What about? I, I, okay, so this is this is a dumb stretch, but okay. Water is really important in this place, right? Mm-hmm. What if what if he goes under the name of like like Brook Babble or like Brooks Babble? Yeah, I can drop down for that. Like a babbling brook. I know that that's you know a really uh, really smart joke, uh, so you might not have gotten it, but I explained it for you and the audience who obviously are not on my level intellectually. <sighs> I'm so smart. Um, okay, Brooks Babble. 
brother Nicola. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's uh, sort of finish 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 him up by um, do we want to talk a little bit about the things that he writes or um, maybe talk about uh, sort of like what his ultimate goal is why is he writing these stories for the people like i said before i I think it starts off initially just like he wants something he wants to write something original that isn't being controlled yeah but like what what i guess what i mean is like what is going to give him the capital b bard what's what makes him the bard of cardholm Um, like, are his contributions, uh, like, are his writings helping the populace? Are they, like, encouraging the masses? Are they, um, or, I mean, is it just, uh, is, 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 is his work, um, leading to, like, an intellectual uprising among the common people because they have, like, things to read um is it keeping like the old faiths alive yeah i think it's a mix of focusing on the old faith it just kind of keeps people talking about that keeps those gods strong it also kind of offers a bit of hope in a very dark dreary world yeah that like the the light god isn't the only um like the only source of of hope yeah it's it's not always like doom and dreadful and he doesn't always just write like educational folklore i think sometimes he just makes like heroes and stuff for people to like enjoy yeah and I, i'm sure he you know like writes love songs and and uh you know maybe some uh some body limericks here and there mm-hmm. um yeah okay all right i mean yeah He's he's just a a writer for the common man when there is none, or so is there none? Is there nobody else writing for like normal people, or is it just like the church is writing for normal people? Yeah, I think the church controls it all. So it, like every hero they have is you know their religious hero. Anything mm-hmm. outside what their holy book says or would be unnecessary, superfluous right um a lot of people probably also don't have the means to write just the education or the time or the privilege um maybe he i I, i'm tempted to 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 have him like um have created the comic strip or something like that (laughs) like um maybe the church tasked him with um making the liturgy ex- like uh accessible to the youth and so he you know maybe he is writing like not an extreme teen bible necessarily but uh yeah like trying to make stuff more palatable to to children and in doing so he's like mixing these various fairy tales in maybe he's sort of subverting um like the church's wishes by 
yeah by like making these other stories that way yeah i like that i think like so he creates like fun little religious comics in the park and then like in his you know copper slocks he might also do like political comics where like he makes fun of the luminous yeah and that's probably how he get caught too they're like hmm yeah these, he's, he's, these he's, pictures look really similar it's like dunesbury-esque where <laughs> the luminous is just an asterisk in front of a microphone <laughs> um yeah i like that i like that it's you know the maybe the church like has seen things like this but they're like oh whatever it's just the peasantry but uh yeah his his stuff is like you know taped to the you know taped to the wall in uh in in a bar bathroom or something like that mm -hmm. yeah all right cool uh do you have anything else to say about this character or do you want to stop doing this stupid dumb show i think we have a good character with brother nicola yeah i'm i'm glad that we um we came back to card home um we put so much effort into it uh yeah i'm glad we're not forgetting about it <laughs> um okay so there we we did it we're done goodbye i just not really goodbye i just forgot <laughs> i forgot how we uh what we do after this do we do we do housekeeping do we have any well uh and we're back at this so uh remember we still have a twitter uh you can follow us at be a better bard we have a gmail be a better bard at gmail.com shoot us your your thoughts your ideas your questions mm -hmm. um yeah i don't think i have really anything to plug um you know if you're if you're looking for um some bard type stuff for your own there is i i hope it's still available there's this great podcast that's called scald um and it is a it's one guy and he writes and and reads uh original stories it's very low fantasy like conan the barbarian-esque um but what makes it really great is he does every episode he does in one take so if he makes a mistake he stops and starts all over and re-records the entire short story yeah, okay. um because he's he's really fixated on the scandinavian um like oral storytelling tradition of the scald um it's a really great uh podcast and a really good story um if you're into that sort of low fantasy yeah that sounds very rad definitely check that out yeah um the guy's name is aubrey sitterson uh, i think he has another podcast that's about professional wrestling um anyway uh yeah uh so that's that's a plug um we're not doing any um current fundraising but you can always go and check out our uh charity page at four people streaming uh at extra life dot org something like that yeah. extra life.org slash participant slash fps there you go what he said um we're not actively doing anything right now because it's so early in the year but hey if you give us money we're not going to complain um have either of us thought up an idea for next week's episode uh no i have not have you i no of course not i would never do that um I've got my list here. I've got a few things on it. 
Um, how do you feel about automatons? We're doing robots. Robots. Robots no, sound I mean, pretty. At automatons, not necessarily robot. We could be talking about golems or um, colossi. Just an automaton. Sounds good to me. All right, sick. Um, so uh, we're going to be messing with the format a little bit. We're recording this like uh, the very end of January, but honestly, this episode might not release uh, for a minute. Um, we're going to be look forward to this in the, the episodes to come, but we're going to be mixing up um, our normal episodes with a little bit more creative writing storytelling kind of episodes yes we're um, going to try and take our characters like brother nicola and actually put them in a situation where we're not just kind of sitting talking to each other like well what if his eyes were blue right like we'll actually sit down and like write something and record it and, and it yeah there's 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 always the chance that the 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 episode will be about a character that we just talked about it might be a character that we've talked about way in the past or it might be something completely unrelated to anything we've already talked about yeah but, um alex and i are both writers and we both like to do that so uh you know we want to we want to uh we can't be better bards if we're not telling the stories right yeah, so we're going to try and aim and do like two of our regular episodes and then two story episodes, but we'll see how that goes. That might be something that is a bit too strenuous on us with just regular life, but we're going to we're going to see what we can do. Yeah. Um I mean if if the if if each of us can't write one story a month, uh let's quit the podcast. <laughs> um but yeah, we'll 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 just see how it goes. Uh, so look forward to that, listener. Did we and, did yeah. we ever come up with a name for like our audience? The wives club. <laughs> no, we we never gave the. Let's just let's just call the, our audience our wives. Yep. And, <laughs> and move on. <laughs> All right, wives, wives um, and Mel, wives and Mel. Um, yeah, th the peanut gallery. <laughs> Thanks for 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 coming back and joining us on season two. Um, I'm glad I'm glad that we came back. Um, I I haven't had a whole heck of a lot going on, but this this podcast uh, has been a <laughs> a passion project for whatever that's worth for the last year, and I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that uh, we're we're gonna have more of it to come. Yeah, and we hope you all enjoy listening. Uh, in the past, I have ended this show by saying, wash your hands. We are now almost a year into this pandemic, so I don't think you've been listening. So I'm just going to stop saying that entirely. Yeah. Um, On top of that, I, uh, I was walking into the kitchen while my wife was doing something. She was listening to her own podcast. And would you believe what I heard someone end their podcast with? What? wash your hands someone stole it from us that's dog shit how you know, dare they you know what's even worse i think you brought that up in the season finale <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so when we'll come up with a new sign off 
Um, until then, Bart it up, baby. Are we sticking with that one? No, we're, we we'll not. test other. Well, things. yeah, we're, we're gonna. Yeah, maybe we'll we'll come around to something else. Um, yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. 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 Come on, get your Mario on. Luigi can dance too. Princess Peach is just a tease, but Toad will give you a poop. I do good songs all the time, and nobody can tell me that I'm bad. Alex just got back from the bathroom, and he probably didn't wash his little dirty hands because he's a fucking troglodyte. Hmm? Oh, hey, Alex, what's up? Not much. How are you? Good. I was calling you a troglodyte. Why would you do that? I washed my hands. Oh, I feel really bad now about calling you that. You should. I don't. I lied. I feel really good about calling you that. Why do you hurt me so? It makes me feel superior. You know what? I feel better about myself when I can drag you down. You know what? That's fair. You can keep dragging me down. You're my friend. I want you to feel good. Thanks, bitch.